hello and welcome to the Serving Up Clutch Tennis Podcast. Uh, this week we're joined again by Jack and Luke. Hello, guys. Good evening. Hello there. Um, and uh, we're going to jump straight into it and hand over to Luke, who's going to give us a bit of a recap about the last two weeks of uh, sort of performance that we had um, with our picks. Um, I do apologise for the lack of podcast last week. There was a a bit of a, a busy schedule for all of us three, so we decided to to give it a miss. But we're we're back again this week, so I'll hand over to you, Luke. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, so I'll start with um two weeks ago, which was the uh, Cordoba, Montpellier, and Singapore events. Um, in terms of the accumulator results, um, we won six and lost three. Um, and uh, Charlie asked Charlie's accumulator came in. Uh, odds of 3.23 to 1, um, but mine and Jack's lost. Um, the outrights was, um, well, pretty poor for most of us, but my wildcard, Alexi Poprin, managed to take home the title in Singapore at 25 to 1, uh, which is pretty huge, to be honest. Um, so that week, uh, we ended up with 22.73 units profit, Um which is very nice. Um, last week, um, even though we didn't record, we tweeted out some our picks, our, our accumulators and our outrights, um, which did not go so well. All our accumulators lost. Um, in terms of results, we won five and lost four. Um, in terms of outrights, um, me and Jack both picked uh, Rubles for the uh, Rotterdam title, and he's, he's just won it at five to one. Um, but the other the other picks let us down sadly. Um, so for last week, this week, sorry, we were down seven point five units. But overall, over the last two weeks, we're still up uh, fifteen point two three units, which is pretty healthy profit. Yep. So so thank you, Luke, for that. Um, as you say, that is that's pretty large. If you talk about a, a sort of bankroll overall, that's that's quite a substantial profit. So if you followed everything that we that we tweet and that we we speak about um that's that's pretty good going for two weeks to be honest you'd hope for those kind of returns over maybe three or four week period i know that the majority of it came from one good outright pick but that's the way it goes sometimes one pick makes up a lot of bad ones um so we'll we'll get cracking with this week um where we have three events we have um marseille on the indoor hard courts we have doha and we have Santiago on the Chile. Um, that that's correct, isn't it, Santiago? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. It's um, on the clay. Though. So we've got an array on the Chile. Yeah. So we've got, so we've got an array of surfaces there, um, obviously spanning sort of both indoor and outdoor hard courts and on clay, um, and that's going to lend itself to some some very different matches to what you'd what you'd expect in an average week on the ATP tour. Um, so we'll get things cracking by discussing a couple of matches that we think are interesting, and I'll, I'll kick things off here. Um, the first match that I wanted to um, to discuss was actually um, Taylor Fritz against Lorenzo Snego, with um, Fritz coming in at four to six favourite. Um, I think this match is very interesting because um, I think both players have had a little bit of a lull in form. Fritz obviously having a very good um, US Open at the back of last year coming into the Aussie Open this year and doing a good job taking Djokovic to five sets. But he hasn't actually delivered any spectacular results. Uh, Sonego, much the same. He's sort of fallen off a little bit after the high that we expected where he beat Djokovic at the back end of last year. 
Um, I think this matchup is going to favour Fritz. I think both players have big serves, topping 130s when they when they feel capable to do so. But Fritz has a little bit more solidity from the back of the court and ability to make a few more balls. Um, I think that'll that'll generally sort of sum up that matchup a bit. I think it will be a bit more cat and mouse of Lorenzo Senego looking to dominate from the back of the court. Um, don't don't take Fritz for any mug. He's still going to hold his serves relatively comfortably for most of the match, just like Senego will. I think when it comes to the clutch moments, I think Fritz has the capability to to scramble a bit better and make one or two more balls. Senego is a great mover, but he's just a bit flaky. Don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. I think Taylor Fritz is going to win too. Um, is I just think he has the ability to control the ball a bit better. Um, Doha is always windy. It's just the nature of the Middle East. Um, windy a bit like me after a chicken madras. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just think that I'd say he's a better player anyway. And he's actually sort of gone a, a little bit of an evolution in his game where he himself used to be quite erratic. Now I think he's actually quite solid and consistent off both sides. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think Fritz is going to win. And Luke? Yeah, I, I think I agree as well. Um, as, as, as you said a few weeks ago, the matchup between two big servers is, is, is usually a bit of a lottery. But I think in this instant, just because, um, as you said, Fritz is more solid, and I think he'll get, I think he'll get more opportunities on um, to break than Senego will on his serve. Um, so yeah, I, I'm backing Fritz here too. Okay, so we're all in agreement. To be honest, four to six, in my opinion, is pretty good value there. Uh, the other match I wanted to discuss takes us over onto the clay in Santiago, and it's for Kundo Bagnis against Marco Cecchinato, with Cecchinato coming in at eight to eleven narrow favourite. Um, I think both of these players are are very established clay quarters. Bagnis had a, a great run in the, not last week but the week before in Cordoba. Uh, I believe he made the semi-finals over there. Um, but last week he he did get blown off the court by the bigger hitting TFO, and I think it just sums up the the huge variety of different clay courts that you actually get. It's not quite as simple as just it's on clay; it's going to be slow. Some clay courts play very fast, and this week has shown exactly that in that some of the bigger hitters have done better. TFO put in a great display against him. He he fell down to Munyar, who's another established clay quarter, but. But there's been other instances. Serendolo, the bigger hitting of um, the two Serendolos, um, he's actually in the final later today playing against Schwartzman. And that's purely because the court played quicker than it did in Cordoba. Um, it looked as if it was less thick clay. It was more more sort of dense and compacted and a bit, a bit sort of hotter conditions as well for this week. Um, so I think it's going to come down to a little bit more as to who has more foul, uh, firepower in this match. And... To be honest with you, I think they both have very similar levels of that. I think Bagnus has the ability to actually penetrate the court quite nicely, um, as does Sechinato. Sechinato marginally more so. But I think what this match is also going to be determined by is, therefore, off the bigger hits, who can manipulate the court better? And that comes down to Sechinato for me. Sechinato has better manoeuvrability of the ball. He can drop, drop better than anyone else on the tour, pretty much. Maybe arguably Benoit Paire. It tops him in that regard, but um, he's right up there. And his ability to pull people off the court when he's on his day is what I think is going to give him the edge here. Um, obviously, the the lefty battle there from Bagnus is is going to be a, a challenge, but I think it's one that Sechinato should be able to handle. Uh, thoughts, guys? Uh, yeah, I think Sechinato will win this one as well. Um, but yeah, very close. Um, yeah, 
I, I never liked the the left-handed cross-court pattern to the one-headed backhand, but Sechenato's is generally quite solid. And on the clay, he can step quite far back, which means he can hit the ball at slightly nicer heights than would otherwise. Um, and I do think in terms of just quality, I think he has that little bit more than Bagness um, these days. Um, and I think I'm not too confident in Bagness's movement compared to some of the other clay quarters. He's a little bit older. Uh, and Sechenato obviously brings you to all four corners of the court. Um, it's got a very nice feel. Um, so, yeah, I think Sechenato will win this, but maybe expect a long slog of a three-setter. Yeah, that, that probably makes sense, to be honest with you. Uh, and Luke? Yeah, I agree. I, I think this I think this will be tight. Um, I watched Magnus against uh, Ramos Vignolas, and that was a pretty high-quality match, to be honest, with Magnus uh, going down in three. Um, but yeah, I'm. I think Cecchinato will edge it just because he's got that bit more, um, bit more quality. As you said, bit, bit more variety in his game. Um, and I think his backhand will will stand up to the, the lefty, uh, lefty topspin. Um, so yeah, I, I also back Cecchinato. Brilliant. Well, that's a full house. Then everyone agrees with my pick. How nice. <laughs> um, We'll hand over to you now, Luke. I think if you want to run through a couple of yours. Sure. Um, my match of interest. The first one, um, two two veterans of the game, really, in Joe Wilfred Songa against uh, Feliciano Lopez. Uh, Songa comes in at uh, favourite at 5-7. Uh, Lopez underdog at 11-10. to 10. Um, I'll start here. Um I'm not. I'm not sure which which way this uh, this one's going to go, but I think Lopez could could be good value here, just because Songa has has no match fitness at all. Really, he's played one match in in over a year, which was a a four and two loss to uh, Sebastian Corda. Um, and Marseille is very very quick. It's one of the quickest um, quickest uh, tournaments on the calendar, which will suit Lopez. And just his game style, he's not going to give Songa any rhythm, um, which he won't like. Um, See, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually backing Lopez to win here. I don't know what you two think. You are wrong. <laughs> uh, I think Songa is going to win. Um, I think out of the two, um, obviously it hugely depends on what Songa turns up. I mean, if he, if he turns up and literally can't make a ball in court because he's not played for a year, anyone would beat him. But quite honestly, I think I almost considered him for my accumulator this week. Spoiler, I didn't. But um, I think his serve is always going to be good enough, no matter how long off tour he has. It might break down at some of the bigger moments if it does get tight, but I think it will hold up for the most heart of the match. Um, and I mean, he's always had one of the biggest forehands in the world, hasn't he? So in a match of two big servers with two big forehands, and both of them have a decent ability to move in, um, I think it's going to come down to to who has the the higher percentage plays, and that will always be Songa in this matchup for me. Um, so that's my opinions. Jack? I don't want to watch this match. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this match might be a sad state of affairs between two veterans who play crap. Um, <laughs> which I can see how I, I think Songa is my favourite as well in any other country I think I'd probably go for Lopez uh, but yeah um, 
it's not of any interest from an accumulator point of view for me. I think it's just so like so hard to pick. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's on Songa's racket if that makes sense. If we see anything like a normal Songa, I think he is better uh, and should win. Um, and I think he's just got the experience. Some players get a bit dumbfounded by like Lopez. Obviously, plays quite differently to the majority of players that you see these days, and uh, Songa's not going to be phased by that. Um, so yeah, I, I think Songa is is like a narrow favourite, but it really depends on if he turns up or not. Um, it's really hard to call, but I'm going to side with Songa, but not surprised if it goes the other way as well. Yeah, that that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. Um, well, my other match, uh, moving over to the Doha now, is uh, Jeremy Shardy uh, against Dan Evans. Oh. Uh, Evans is favourite here at six to eleven. Uh, and Shardy underdog at three to two. Um, I think this would be a very interesting match. Um, Shardy had a great week in Rotterdam. Um, he had to qualify, and then he took out Hugo Humbert and David Goffin, both very good wins. And then he lost a, a very close three setter to uh, to Rublev in the quarters. Um, however, Evans um, started the year very well, won his first title, uh, and he beat Shardy in the semis two and two. Um, on his way, but I think it'll be much closer this time. Um, also, the, the added interest that the winner plays Federer in his first match for for over a year, and I think you know for them there's, there's added incentive that it's probably the the best chance they'll get to beat Federer, and perhaps perhaps the last chance they'll get they'll get to play him. Um, Evans has never beaten him. Shardy has once in in Rome in 2014, but yeah, that that adds a, an extra dimension for me um in terms of who i think is going to win um i'm i'm backing evans but i'm not sure he's amazing value to be honest i think shardy's very capable of winning also um so so i i agree with your your pick there in evans but i i do think it's good value to be honest um, I think if you take Shardy out of the, the quick indoor hard conditions, it suddenly swings hugely in Evans' favour. The ability that he's going to have to just make that extra ball and keep that ball down nice and low with that slice. When Shardy's not got the ability to hurt you with those indoor quick conditions where they're perfect and he's going to strike every ball clean as you like, um, it suddenly swings hugely in the other player's favour. Because Shardy has to get the first strike in the rally and he has to get on top of the points. That's what he's been doing so well these past couple of weeks to get some good results. Um, and I think if you take away that extra sort of 5% pace that you get on an indoor hard court, um, maybe 10% pace if you if you go on a really sort of slick indoor hard as well, um, and stick him on an outdoor court where there's going to be external factors such as wind and sun, um, maybe even a little bit of precipitation at times, um, it can... It, it can really change the game for Shardy. And I, I don't know exactly, I would be be lying if I said that I've researched this, but from memory, I don't think his outdoor hardcourt record is very good, whereas Evans is really quite spectacular for his rank. So um, so I think Evans is good value here. Um, yeah, I, I think Evans as well. Um, in like, I think that maybe Shardy, especially when it's windy, he has like those massive loop, like the take back on his forehand is huge. Um, and it doesn't really suit the one. It doesn't suit the windy conditions and two, it doesn't suit Dan Evans slice. Um, 
someone who plays with such an extreme grip will notoriously struggle with um mm-hmm. with low balls. It's a bit like when Dan Evans plays Kachanov, who is the same sort of similar sort of forehand to Shardy. Uh, he hates it. Um, I think just I think Federer would rather see Dan Evans in the second round. I think I think that there's nothing that Evans. I mean, obviously this depends on if Federer is actually competent, but um. I think that there's nothing Dan Evans can really do to majorly hurt Federer, while Shardy could if it all went well for him. But I think in terms of this individual matchup, I think Dan Evans is is better suited to to win it as long as he's fit. I think he pulled out of Rotterdam with a slight niggle, um, and fitness is a big thing for him with his, the way he plays. So as long as he's fit, I would have him as a favourite. Yeah, agreed. Um, and so I think that leaves us now with just a couple of matches that you fancy to discuss, Jack. Uh, well, I also had Nishikori and Evans, but I'll, I'll find something else. Uh, my the other one I had was uh, Nishikori against Ebert. Um It's just a, a traditional one of well, the matchup is is quite good for Nishikori um, in that I think he'll really go on Ebert's nerves with the amount of balls that he makes. Um, you know, cross court backhand rallies are only going to go one way. But also the court surface completely suits more the other player. I I, I don't think I'd fancy playing a bear in a in a low, really fast court. He's obviously a very good doubles player. He relies on serve and volley a fair amount. Um, it's not a match that I'll be taking. Uh, it was good to see Nishikori back to some sort of form last week. Um, I think that he will win. Um, I don't think that the surface suiting a bear is enough to swing it in his favour. Um, but I just think it's a really interesting match in that I think the court surface is very more suited to one player while the matchup is very well suited to the other. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect Nishikori to win, but I just thought that sort of juxtaposition was interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I actually second everything you said. I don't really have much to add, to be honest. I think uh, Nishikori will win. I, I looked at it and thought the odds weren't good enough for an accumulator, but I, I do think he's going to win. Um, Luke? Yeah, um, do you, do you know what the odds were? Four to eleven on Nishikori. Yeah, I I agree. I I don't think that's. I think Nishikori will win, but I don't think it's great value considering the the conditions and stuff. I just think the most interesting thing I've seen is that Nishikori said he wanted to be a penguin when he was younger. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I have to add, really. Yeah. Will he be able? Wow. Will he be able to slide his way to victory here? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we'll leave that one there. <laughs> sort of. um, um, but we'll, we'll go straight on to my accumulator then. Um, and my accumulator actually has a couple that I've already spoken about: Fritz and Sechinato, four to six and eight to eleven, respectively. Um, it's also got Dan Evans, who we've already spoken about at eight to fifteen. And the only other match that I've included is Igor Gerasimov to beat Hampfman in the indoor hard of Marseille. I think Gerasimov at four to nine here um, is, is just the better of the two. Both big servers, both big forehands, very similar game styles, happy to come in behind these big shots as well. Um, but Gerasimov actually found uh, the ability to make quite a few more balls. He made life really tough for Sitsipas last week. Um, and I think if he plays a, a fraction of what he did there, he, he'll win that match. Um, that fourfold actually comes uh, in at 5.38 to 1, so not bad value. Uh, my outrights, I've gone for um, Sitsipas in Marseille at 3 to 1. Uh, won the title here a couple of times already. Um, knows the conditions, knows what he's doing. Um, um, and for my um, 
Santiago, I've gone for Andahar at eight to one. Um, my my wild card selection, I think, is going to have to be. Uh, bear with me. I need to remind myself. Uh, I, I'm going for Francis TFO at fourteen to one. Um, I think that TFO showed showed some great great play to be honest um, just unfortunate to come up against Munyar when he's playing that well last week and I think if the conditions play quick in Santiago um, I think TFO actually has the game to, to take it to a lot of these these traditional clay quarters um, so that's my bunch there sits past three to one team three to one and a heart eight to one and a wild card of uh, Francis TFO at 14 to one um, I'll hand over to, to Luke yeah I'll start with my ACA um I also have Gerasimov to beat Hampman. Um, for the reasons you said, he off, after I belittled him uh, on the on the last podcast, he actually went on to have a very decent week in in Montpellier, beat uh, beat Murray, Benet, and uh, Davidovich Fakina, and uh, lost the tight uh, three setter to Goffin um, in the semi-finals. Um, Hampman, he he went. He had a, a bit of a purple patch, sort of, at the end of last year. But this year, his his form has not been has not been good. Um, so yeah, in, in these quick conditions, I'm I'm backing Gerasimov here. Um, I've also gone for John Millman to beat Vasilashvili at two to nine. Um, not much needs to be said here, apart from just Vasilashvili is entering Jack Stock territory. Um, he's had he's had two wins since. Since COVID, they're against Arna Baldi and Silik Bilek. Um, not exactly household names. Um, Millman, uh, he hasn't been in great form this year. Um, I think his only, I think his only win was against Pervel Arrakis in the in the ATP Cup. So again, not not a household name either. But I think his his level never never drops that low. And you know, Bastas really can't. Can't win to save his life at the moment, really. I think Millwall will just be too solid. Um, I've also gone for uh, David Guffan to beat Philip Krajinovic uh, at four to seven in Doha. Um, I was very, very impressed with Goffin in Montpellier. Um, he went on to win the title, played a really good match in the final against um, Batista Gut. Um, and yeah, I just think you know, when he's playing that well, he's he's going to beat most people, to be honest. Um, even even though Kronovich is a very capable player, um, he, he's not in the best form himself at the moment. Uh, my final selection is Federico Correa to beat Gianluca Marja at eight to eleven in Santiago. Um, Correa had a good good week in Cordoba, um, got to the semis there. Um, Lost to the seven uh, Juan Juan Martin Serendolo, um, then lost to the other Serendolo in uh, in Buenos Aires in the first round. Um, but yeah, Marjo's Marjo's form's been been pretty crap to be honest. Um, I know he beat Caruso last week, but it's Caruso's first match on the on the clay in a while. Um, and yeah, I think eight to eleven is is pretty decent value there. Um, so those four, Milman, Grasimov, Goffin, Correa, comes in at 3.79 to 1. And then my outrights, uh, Santiago, I've gone for Laszlo Gera. Um, 
Looking at the draw, I think it's really wide open this week. Um, Schwartzman isn't playing. Garin is is returning from injury. Um, had a very poor loss to uh, Nagal. Um, so yeah, I think it's wide open. And um, Jared did okay last week. This week, sorry, beat Chechenato and Del Bonis. Um, and he he won the Sardinia ATP at the end of last year. Beat beat Nagal, Lajovic, Vesely, Massetti, and Chechenato. So some very decent wins in there. So he's very capable of doing it. Uh, Marseille. I've also gone for Stefano Sitsipas at three to one. Um, nothing, nothing really to add on what you said. Just that Medvedev is the top seed, and he's he seems he seems a bit bit out of sorts at the moment, especially in the smaller events. He he, he tends to save his, his best tennis for the big events at the moment. Uh, Doha, I've gone for Denis Shapovalov at fifteen to two. Um, I think each way is a good bet here because he's in Federer's half, which doesn't doesn't have Rublev and it doesn't have team. Uh, there's a lot of question marks over Federer at the moment. Um, and yeah, he's he started the year fairly well, uh, played a great match against Sinner. Um, so yeah, I think he's got got a good chance of, of going deep there. My wild card is Pablo Andihar eight to one. Um, watching him against Londero, he was unbelievable, really. Um, from two love down, he. Won 12 of the next 13 games uh, to beat him three in love. Um, yeah, and again, I, th- I think the, the field's wide open. I think Andy Hull's got a great chance. He's in the other half to Jera. So, yeah, those are, those are my picks. Okay, very nice. Um, and uh, over to Jack then. Right. Um, so. I have gone for a fourfold, which totals to 4.67 to 1. Uh, this was very difficult. Uh, I'm, I'm quite impressed with the fields in Doha and Marseille. It's very good. Um, there should be some really interesting accumulators later on once we get a feel of players' rhythm. Uh, but for, for the next couple of days, my first one is my boy, Mackenzie McDonald, to beat <laughs> Stefano Travaglia at 1 to 2. I knew you were going to uh, put re- that in. <laughs> I just knew it. Uh, I just really like him on these on the really fast courts, like we saw at the Australian Open. Um, and he's obviously found some form. Uh, I think he has he won a challenger as well since since the Australian Open. I think he um, did, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think he's just. I've always been a fan of like of him on. I think he's made the fourth round of Wimbledon as well, uh, and I think. On these skiddy, low-bouncing courts, I think he's a, a better player than Travaglia. Travaglia is no mug on these sort of courts, but uh, I don't think he's quite as comfortable. Um, and I ex- would expect him to break down in the rallies earlier. Um, risky one, but I've this is basically completely wind-based. I've gone Riley Opelka to... Well, sorry, Roberto Bautista Agu to beat Riley Opelka at 4-7. to seven. I really don't like betting against these huge servers, but think he might struggle um, to control the ball once Bautista makes the first ball back, which he's pretty good at. Um, and he's also kind of struggled in the big points recently, Opelka. Um, something's a little bit not not quite there for him. Um, and I think if it's not quite there for him on indoor hard courts, it's, it's probably not going to be there on outdoor either. Um, gone for the Taylor Fritz against Senego one that we discussed. Uh, and I've also gone for the Jurassimov against Hanfman one that we discussed, which is another one that I wouldn't be majorly surprised if it went the other way, just because like Jurassimov is 
sometimes a bit questionable mentally. Um, but I'd imagine, I, I think he's a right, rightly favourite here. Um, and for my outrights, I have also gone for Sissi Pass in Marseille. Um, I, I'd like the like of Karen Catron of this week, I will say. Um, he's also a previous winner. It's just that it concerns me a little bit when he gets to, to the later rounds and plays against players of high quality, just maybe sometimes struggles on these quicker, low-bouncing courts. But um, would not be surprised to see him go deep this week. I thought he played really well last week. Really enjoyed the match between him and Sitsipas. It was a, was a fantastic level. Um, Doha, I have gone for Roberto Bautista Agu. Um, this is tough, actually. I really wasn't sold, to be honest, on a lot of the players in this event. Team, I'm, I'm not too sure where he's at. Um, I think he said himself that he just wants to find rhythm. Um, and he didn't really feel like he had it during the Australian Open. Uh, Rublev, I like. I wouldn't be surprised to see Rublev come and win again here. But um, I think we need to get to the point where Rublev realises that he's an elite player and should maybe start looking after his body and prioritising 500 and Martyrs 1,000 rather than last year where he played like five weeks in a row to just win five titles or something. It was, you know, it was a bit like team back in the day. Um, also, he's a machine. He doesn't f- need rest. I, I think it will catch up with him eventually, especially in the field that we've got this week. Uh, I will say that the odds on Federer are ridiculous. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Federer didn't win a match. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, Santiago is tough. We haven't got the full draw yet. Um, I will say that um, this potentially could change once we get the full draw out and that we do have a limited sample size because this tournament only happened last year. And it just interested me that the final was between two aggressive clay court specialists um, rather than two defensive clay court specialists. It was um, Thiago Saboth Wild against Casper Ruud, who are two two aggressive players. And also Del Bonis and uh, Montero went deep, who are also two of the more aggressive players. Um, so I like the TFO pick for that reason, who is someone who like likes to be aggressive. Um, but I've also gone for Jera to start off with. Um, yeah, I think that he, he is one of the higher quality players in the draw if he finds some form. I didn't take him last week because we didn't have any evidence to go off. We now have a little bit of evidence to go off that he at least feels okay. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take him, but this draw is so open. I could see it. To be honest, I could rule out about four names um, who I would be really surprised if we saw win. Uh, apart from that, it's, it could be so open. Um, and my wild card is, is in a similar um, tone to the Doha one is is, is Korich in Doha instead of Bautista Agu. Uh, obviously made the semis this week. He was really disappointing yesterday, actually. Uh, but kind of went under the radar. I felt like the, the top half of the, the other half of the draw got all the all the plaudits with Rublev, Sitsipas, Kachanov. Um, whilst his half of the draw went under the radar a bit, and I think that he's clearly playing okay. Um, I, I back him to be able to control the ball in wind. Uh, is a general solid power on all surfaces and um, wouldn't be surprised to see him go deep this week. Don't think he's likely as, as likely to win as Bautista Agu, but um, has a good chance, I think. Okay, yep. So so I like I like most of those picks. Um, I agree with what you said there about Korich's half not really getting any sort of airtime, to be honest. Um, to be honest, I didn't actually really... when he was playing the semis against Fuxovics, to be honest, it, it really did go under the radar. But um, I agree with everything you said there, and I, I agreed with most of Luke's as well. Um, 
So we'll probably call it a day there. We've got some some great picks, and as usual, we will publish these on our on our Twitter page. So follow the the Twitter handle at Serving Up Clutch if you don't already. Um, we're we're going to be sort of keeping that up to date throughout the week. Um, there may be a couple of articles here and there, um, depending on how much value there is. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can turn over another profit this week and keep keep the ball rolling. So, so thank you guys for joining me again. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. That's all right. Um, and as I say, we'll be back again next week. Um, hopefully, unless something drastically comes up like the week before, um, and we'll we'll see how these picks do. All right. So all the best, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>